I had to do a lot of work to change how I viewed accomplishments. I realized that so much of my self-worth was in doing and accomplishing and succeeding. And it's a, a shift of mindset, right? So I would have never, when I was practicing, taken a day by myself if I had a cold. We all have the stories, right? Went to work sick, hypermedic. I worked with an IV pole, right? Like that's absurd. Now, one of the things I view as an accomplishment is self-care. I didn't do that for a very long time. Are you looking for opportunities to invest in passive real estate syndications? Join our exclusive community at FastFire Capital, where we're dedicated to bringing doctors and other high-income earners priority access to the best opportunities to invest in large multifamily and other types of commercial properties. Not only that, by being part of the community, you'll get exclusive access to webinars and Q&As where you'll be able to raise your passive investing IQ. To join our community, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash syndication. Again, that address is semiretiredmd.com forward slash syndication. Have you ever dreamed of owning a vacation home? What if it could double as an investment property that makes you money and helps you save on taxes? Our new course, Accelerating Wealth, short-term rental blueprint will teach you how to purchase and set up your short-term rental the right way. Learn more about the course at semiretiredmd.com slash str hyphen course. When you daydream about your future, I'll bet it doesn't include you still working into your 60s and 70s. But unless you're actively taking steps to break the cycle of trading time for money, that's the future most of us face. Ignite Your Journey will lay out a roadmap to show you how to finally break that cycle and achieve true financial freedom. And it will show you how to do it in just three to five years, rather than the 20 or so it takes for traditional investments or saving in your retirement accounts. For more information, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash IYJ. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Welcome to another episode of the Doctors Building Wealth podcast. Today, we are so excited to have Dr. Stephanie Pearson here with us, and she's going to be talking about her entrepreneurial journey and telling us all the challenges and all the really great wins she's had along the way in hopes of inspiring some of you out there who are maybe considering entrepreneurship, considering starting your own business, and would like to know how to start. So welcome, Stephanie. Can you tell everyone about a little bit about how you started as an entrepreneur? Sure. Uh, so first of all, thank you for having me. Um, so my journey is probably a little bit different than a lot of your community in that it was almost a forced shift. Uh, I was happy in medicine and loved what I was doing and quite honestly, never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur. Uh, and then unfortunately, I suffered a career ending injury during a difficult patient delivery. I'm an OBGYN by training and was turning 40 and lost my career, lost my identity. I'm the primary, I was the primary breadwinner in our house. And there was a lot of 
what's next. Uh, and it took some time to figure it out. Um, I tried my hand at a few things. Uh, I really actually enjoyed doing med mal defense work. Turns out in Pennsylvania, you have to physically see patients mm -hmm. within three years or you time out as an expert. So that was a short-lived career. Uh, I did some medical editing. I did some biotech consulting. And ultimately, somebody made a comment to me that really resounded. And they said, everyone has information that somebody else could benefit from. And if you really sit back kind of with your own story, because everyone has their own story, it'll come. And at first I was like, bah, right, okay. Um, but I, it really did. Uh, I realized that I became so passionate about such a mundane topic. Uh, I mean, who really thinks about going into insurance and who thinks about disability and life insurance as a career after medicine? But I learned a lot the hard way. Mm -hmm. And found myself in a position where I thought for a second, you know what? I do have a lot of information that really could help other people. And I started, you know, digging in and learning everything I could. And I'll age myself. I had textbooks with highlighters and colored pens and write all the things. And started really lecturing to area residency programs, partly for education, admittedly, partly for catharsis. The more I told my story, the easier it got to tell my story and the less painful it became. And at the same time, I felt really good about continuing being an educator because at the end of the day, even when I was a clinician, teaching residents was one of my favorite things to do. And so I found this second career option that really melded some of my previous strengths. And I was able to tie in, you know, this idea of, okay, I have information that can help other people. And residents and fellows started asking for my help. And at first I thought it was really silly. I was like, I'm not a salesperson. I'm an educator. But I was sending them to other people people who were making money, right? And my husband was like, mm, why are we making money for other people when we can be making money for ourselves? And you're not a salesperson, you're an educator, and that's what people get drawn to. So fast forward, locked myself in my room, studied for the test, passed, and then cried in my car because I got a B, not an A. Um, <laughs> and my husband laughed at me and said, are you kidding me? Has anyone ever asked you your board scores who saw you as an OBGYN? He's like, do you really think anyone is going to ever ask you what you got on this insurance test? And, it, you know, we laugh about it now. Um, and so really we started our company at our kitchen table and through a lot of gut and hustle and learning on the job, 
Um, we have grown, scaled uh, about a year, year and a half into me doing it out of my house. My current business partner and I joined forces. Um, and so we just turned six in June. And so that that's how it all started. Amazing. Um, there are a couple of things I wanted to highlight, which I think are real patterns that people maybe can hear in your story that can, they can see in other and other stories as well. You had that information, right? Having gone through the experience yourself, of course, but you also had a real passion for it because you knew the real pain of having that experience and, and being lost and, and not having adequate insurance to be able to cover you. So you had that passion for helping others which I think translates so well for us physicians, because that's why we became doctors in the first place. Exactly. If we can find something we have information on, but also we're very, very passionate about, then putting those two together is really, really valuable. Um, the next thing I heard is you did it for free just to add value to people. Right. Yes. Um, and then that allowed you to have that following so that I'm sure when you rolled out your product, you already had so much thought uh, you were seen as a thought leader already, and you had already given so much value. It's so easy for people to kind of come and and work with you. And I think that sometimes we see people who are wanting to start businesses and they're like, oh, okay, I want to create this course. Let me go put it out there in the world. But they haven't shown up and shown themselves to be uh, thought leaders or kind of built a following because they were, they were just giving. Um, right. And so that, I think that sometimes it's a more difficult way to start a business than, than the way you did. So I think that's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that, and, and it wasn't necessarily intentional or not intentional, mm -hmm. right? I, I do think that a lot of it stemmed from that kind of physician space of, right. We go into medicine because we want to help people. We want to fix things. Right. And especially it was a lot of why I became an OBGYN because GYN surgeries are relatively fast and we really fix things, right? Mm -hmm. Make a really big difference. And I translated that into, and I realized that it sounds really hyperbolic to say I wanted to fix the insurance industry, but I really wanted to fix the insurance industry. I was like, we are ripe for being taken advantage of. It's not something that we're taught or taught well. I didn't feel like I had been properly educated or properly advocated for. And I felt that as kind of a natural progression of why I became a doctor. Yep. You had a real strong mission having yes. been through it yourself. Now let's, I do want to talk about this identity piece, which you mentioned very early on, because I think that's really, really key too. Um, I remember when we were struggling with our identity and I remember even white coat investor asking me a question at a conference. Well, like you're not really helping people the way you were before, right? Something like that. And, and you're, you're not really a doctor anymore. So I, I want to know how you manage that combination, how you were able to bring that together and say, you know what, did you still say to yourself, like, I'm still a physician too? Or did you actually really say, I'm no longer a physician, this is what I am? Like, how did you manage that? Not well, um, admittedly. Um, and I, I am very open. I, I don't have secrets. I was suicidal at one point. Um, I had not realized how much of my identity 
was tied to being Dr. Pearson. I didn't change my name when I got married because I was known as Dr. Pearson. I wanted to stay Dr. Pearson. And I got hit in the face um, real hard. And it took a lot of counseling. I had a therapist. I had a psychiatrist. Um, My husband brought home a puppy. Uh, I wanted to kill him. He said, clearly the boys and I are not enough to get you out of bed. So you have a choice. You can be surrounded by filth or get up and start taking care of something again. And that was kind of a pivotal point for me that I didn't want to be surrounded by filth. And so I started taking our dog on long walks to get out of the house, to get out of my own head. I went to the dog park. You know, I I say this a lot. I found myself at the dog park. I mean, it sounds like a bad country song, right? But when I was at the dog park, I was Kim's mom. Nobody knew my name. Nobody knew what I did, right? And I got to kind of let go of some of that. Mm -hmm. Not to say that it doesn't creep back in. I still remember a time that I overheard somebody ask my son what his mom did. And he said she used to be a doctor. And I just started crying. Um, And so it, the path from losing my identity to getting it back was very jagged. Um, Once I really got out of my own way and kind of crawled out of my own hole, I realized that, you know what, I have those letters. No one's taking those away from me. Once a physician, always a physician. I was still part of a ton of physician social media groups and local groups. And I still fit in more with my physician friends than my non-physician friends. And over time, my new identity developed where I can honestly say that I still consider myself a physician first and foremost and will always will. And once you get those letters, no one can take them away. I mean, I guess if you're like a felon or something, but right, you know, and so I don't look at myself, you know, as, okay, I, I, I'm going to put that aside and now I'm new, right? I still feel very ingrained in my physician space doing this work because I do a lot of what I call pre-field underwriting. And I have a lot of um, influence on the underwriting side with the different insurance companies. And a lot of that is because I'm a physician with medical knowledge. And so I've actually been able to marry my medical knowledge and my insurance knowledge in a way that your average insurance agent or broker can't do. They just don't have the same life experience. They don't have the knowledge that I have. And I also had to, at a certain point, own that and not feel, egotistical is not the right word, but, you know, really honoring both sides and and not um, pushing an agenda one way or the other. 
Yeah, I think I, I really wanted people to hear that. That's really cool that that's how you did it because it's the and, right? You're a physician mm -hmm. and. Mm -hmm. And so we see ourselves as physicians and real estate investors. Right. And, you know, it's so interesting. I've been grappling more recently. I'm actually doing a lot of speaking now. And I haven't said and speaker, right? I haven't ever put that in my LinkedIn. I like don't even, because I've never thought of myself that right but it's an identity that's actually out there for me to claim yeah. if I choose to claim it and so for everyone you have multiple identities and physician is one of them but right. you don't have to feel like you're giving up being a physician when you take on other you know hobbies other jobs other things that you do with your life you can still be a physician and other things so that's very cool and I think it's really important, you know, to your point, I've recently started speaking more about my journey than insurance. And some of it is really important not to only look at ourselves as physicians. I think that is why I was in such a bad place in the beginning and why so many people have a hard time doing anything else or you know, spreading their wings a little bit because they're so ingrained in that small piece, which at the end of the day, it's a small piece, right? I mean, yes, it's a calling. Yes, it's noble. Yes, right? Physicians were, were great people, right? Whatever. But it's only a small part of who we are. And I think that a lot of us, especially in, in my generation, I think I'm a bit older than you guys, um, we weren't taught that. There were there was no talk of bolstering your identity outside of medicine. There was no, you know, keep your hobbies, keep this, keep that. You know, it was very tunneled tyranny of perfection of medicine. And this is what you do, and you should live, breathe, die medicine. And I think that the younger generations are starting to see kind of a, a different side of sustainability, resilience, adaptability, right? And and really putting into that kind of whole person wellness that just didn't exist 25 years ago. Yeah, it's uh, the danger of making your value or your worth in a title, right? Because, and it's the same thing, I think uh, I talked, we talked to entrepreneurs about this too, is if you put your value or your worth in success, entrepreneurial success, if you have success, it, it works out fine, but eventually you will have failures. Like that is yeah. part of it. That's part of the journey. And when you have put your value or your worth in having success and you have some failures along the way, then you're going to, you're at risk to really go into a dark place yeah. to, to lose who you are, to, to, you know, really kind of crumble in a lot of ways. Yeah. So you have to, so you can't have, your value tied to external things or else you will get lost. I had to do a lot of work to change how I viewed accomplishments. I realized that so much of my self-worth was in doing and accomplishing and succeeding. And it's a, a shift of mindset, right? So I would have never, when I was practicing, taken a day by myself if I had a cold, right? We all have the stories, right? Went to work sick, hypermedic. I worked with an IV pole, right? Like that's absurd, right? Now, one of the things I view 
as an accomplishment is self-care. I didn't do that for a very long time, right? And so it, it's really shifting how you're, you're defining things, where you're putting stock. One of the things that that I tend to kind of remind myself on a fairly regular basis is what do I want my legacy to be? And, you know, that also sounds sometimes very overbearing, but if you break it down into really small pieces, it really does shift your focus. And, you know, you guys have kids, you get it, right? It's what are we showing our kids? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I didn't want them to see me, you know, six feet under. I didn't want them to see me giving up. I wanted them to see, okay, look, something bad happened. What are you going to do with it? Right. And it's either going to push your hand one way or another way. And I wanted them to see resilience and, you know, pushing through. And they've been with us the whole way when we started this company. And we were very upfront with them that, there were potentially going to be periods where there were no vacations because we were self-funding and putting money back into the business. We made a very conscious decision not to go after VC money and not to go after investors. And we really wanted to do it ourselves because I'd been an employee before and tossed away. You know, I had been asked to be the chairperson of our department before I went out. And I got terminated the day my FMLA was up and it was a very harsh lesson. And, you know, you're not as special as you think you are. And I didn't want to work for anybody else. Right. And, and I think that's also kind of that entrepreneurial kickstart of like, okay, you know what, this is what we're doing. We're laser focused. This is our plan and watch it grow. Right. And that is not to say that that has been a straight line either. Which right? it never is. It never <laughs> right. Is. And I, I think people that, that they, I have met a few people who think that things are a lot easier than they really are. <laughs> okay. I have one more question for her. Sorry. I'm like totally hugging <laughs> conversation, but I want to know, I, we've heard now multiple uh, you've alluded multiple times to the fact your husband's involved in this and like that you guys did this really as a family. So can mm -hmm. you talk to us about that journey? Uh, he, he obviously helped you a lot with this dog. So, so talk to <laughs> us about, about how this all fit in and how you would think through somebody in you know, thinking about entrepreneurship and involving their significant other in it. So my husband um, was a critical care nurse and helped start Temple University's flight team. And when I got hurt, he was absolutely my biggest cheerleader. And I know a lot of physicians who have, because of injury or illness, have had to step away from medicine, who have not had as supportive husbands. I, I hands down, and he is not without his own faults, but was my biggest cheerleader and was very integral in kind of setting everything up. He wanted me to focus on what I did well. And so he set up the LLC. He set up um, 
our E&O insurance. He kind of looked into the true business part of starting a business. And he really let me focus on education and relationship building within the insurance space. And about a maybe a year and a half into it, when we were growing at a pace that nobody expected, he made, we made the decision for him to come full time. So he's actually our CFO, which is also helpful for me because some of the money side of it, which is going to sound interesting because I'm in insurance, but gives me a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. and he can deal with all that. And I know I'm not getting taken advantage of because he's the CFO and he's my husband. Right. And so we have offices that are catty corner to each other. Um, And so it's like, we're together all day, but we're not. And we have our own lanes and we support each other. And there are days where it's hard not leaving home at home, but we've figured it out. Um, and and most days, I would say it's been really awesome working together and having a common goal. And um, he probably won't admit this, but every now and again, when he was a nurse and I was a doctor, you know, the earning differential would come up and we make the same exact now. Right. And so I think that that helps in that there's not a primary and a secondary. You know, we have the same end goal and um, it's actually been great. Um, I know a lot of couples that that make it work and I know a lot of couples that absolutely can't do it. So, I mean, I I think it's a testament to both people um, and it's definitely not right for everybody. This episode is brought to you by Tyler Curley of Path Insurance Solutions. Tyler is who we go to for all of our insurance needs. We first started working with Tyler when we bought our first investment properties, and since then, he has not only helped insure all of our investment properties, he's also helped us with our personal insurance needs as well. Tyler's an invaluable member of our team for our investment properties because he's so knowledgeable and he also finds you the best policies without breaking the bank. So the next time you need insurance, be sure to reach out to Tyler at tyler at pathins.com. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Movement Mortgage. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. We've been working with Dan and his team for over eight years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close the deal. I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at srmd at movement.com to get a free consultation and also let him know that you're part of the semi-retired MD community to get an exclusive discount on your next loan. Now back to the episode. You know, in real estate investing, we talk a lot about uh, finding a mentor, somebody who can guide you along the way. And I'm just curious, did you have a mentor or somebody to help you on the business side of things? From a business standpoint, we learned a lot on the go and it was truly a lot of gut and hustle. Um, 
on the insurance side, I, I would say I, I had a couple mentors. I mean, one, my current business partner had been a kind of lifer life insurance agent. Um, and so he was very well-versed in the industry. Um, I kind of pulled out the DI space um, and I had somebody who was nice enough uh, in the beginning to make introductions for me that were invaluable. And so, you know, from that standpoint, like in the industry, I definitely did. Um, and even to this day, um, Larry Keller is still one of my biggest um, go-tos. Um, and so, you know, we text each other all the time. We talk, I, you know, we run things by each other, you know, at the end of the day, nobody has the infrastructure to take care of a million doctors. So you start to realize who does it the way you want to do it and, and who aligns with your values and your ethics and, and kind of hold true to that. Um, and he's kind of the original, I, I, you know, we joke, I, I do put him a little bit on a pedestal, but, you know, he's been doing this for 30 something years. And so having him kind of, um, help me, um, reassure me that, that I am doing it the right way has been really helpful and reaffirming. Um, and so on that side, yes. I'm really curious about that. Uh, you were saying also that uh, the business success wasn't linear. So can you talk a little bit about some of those ups and downs? Uh, so initially, right, uh, we started at my house um, and our first two employees worked at our house mm -hmm. um, at in the kitchen with me. And I may have blurred some boundaries um, and that sometimes, uh, can blow up in your face. Um, and so in the beginning, I definitely struggled with the, you know, hierarchy, which admittedly, I still kind of have issues with boundaries, but, um, I would say that, that that was one because all of a sudden, what I thought and what I said when there were three of us or four of us can't stay that way when there's 25. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that at the time. I didn't have that insight. Right. And so I also said things that unfortunately I couldn't live up to. Um, and it just kind of upset me that I couldn't, um, and for instance, right. So like on Fridays, I would go to my favorite bake French bakery and get croissants and slices of, you know, decadent cakes. Well, you can do that when you have two to four employees. You can't really do that when you have 25. Right. Um, and so there was definitely a shift when we went from being at my house to having a brick and mortar office. Um, I would say that's one to hiring in the beginning was really difficult. 
Um, I had never been involved in hiring in my clinical practice. And now here I am, I, I, I'm hiring for our own company. And I, in the beginning, we got that wrong a little bit. Um, Which and most the, entrepreneurs do, you know, by the you way. <laughs> know, so we, you know, we had a couple people that maybe worked for like a month, right? Um, I've and, had people work for a week. <laughs> <laughs> And just disappear. <laughs> yeah. So I, I haven't had that. <laughs> we definitely have had the like, you know, one month and then we're like, oh, oh, you're okay. You know, um, and so that has definitely been a learning process of, right, what what are the attributes you're looking for? What are, you know, what are the right questions to ask? And we also didn't want people that had a lot of insurance background right? Because here I am saying, I want to change the narrative. I didn't want to bring people in that had bad habits. Mm -hmm. So now you're bringing in people that don't really know anything about it and investing that time and energy to like make everybody a cohesive team and understand why we're doing it the way we're doing it and why we don't do certain things certain ways. Um, And so that hiring was just a whole beast in its own and, you know, creating benefits packages, right. And having to really work through what that looked like and what was important, right. As an OBGYN family planning coverage was really important to me. Right. And it's expensive, but I was like, okay, so it's expensive. I, I like, I, you know, and so figuring some of that out with somebody who comes from a true business background, sometimes, you know, it was work getting us to be on the same page. Um, you know, um, and it's important, right? I, I really, I shouldn't say I don't care about money, but I really don't care about money. Like my bigger why truly is education and my partner maybe leans a little more towards, you know, bank account, but you actually need both, right? You absolutely- right. And that's what I'm saying. Like we need yeah. both. Right. So I've made him a little softer. He's made me a little more cognizant of, you know, wh- how much things cost and what are our commissions and how are we paying our employees? Right. I want to give everybody the world. Right. But that's not good business. Right. And so there, there was definitely a learning curve there. Um, when we first started really flipping, because now I'm also going to date myself in the beginning, I did everything by hand. I had sheets that I would fill out and I had a, a filing cabinet and all of a sudden my filing cabinet was overflowing. And one of my employees was like, Steph, come on, it's time. Like, have you heard of DocuSign? Have you heard of e-signatures? Have you heard of CRMs? Right. And I'm like, not really. So there was also a lot of education that had to happen on the fly and realizing that some of the systems that we put into place, right, not all of them were ideal in the beginning. And six years later, we're still tweaking, you know, and and kind of adapting and growing. And then, of course, COVID hit. Right. So like in the middle of all of this, all of a sudden everyone went hybrid and no one was in the office except 
my husband and me because we couldn't work from home. Um, we have two very big dogs who do not like when I'm on the phone. Um, and so we would come into the office and no one else was here. Um, and so um, that was definitely an interesting uh, uh, time. <sighs> trying to think. I want to interrupt because I want yeah, go, to please. go back to the employee piece because I think that would, uh, I just want to reiterate a couple points because I think those points will save people a lot of pain and time. So hiring, I think is, like you said, a lot of us physicians, we've never been involved in hiring decisions. So um, when we started this process, we were similarly very, uh, I think, more fearful of hiring than anything. Um, and having done this now for many, many years, I will say that The Who Book by Jeff Smart is an incredible book for people to read. Yep. Um, it really takes away a lot of that fear of hiring and helps you think about outcomes instead of tasks and helps you yep. think about the right DNA fit for your company. Um, but one of the things you said is something I've only probably learned in the last six to 12 months, which is a lot of times people come in with expertise, but they really don't know what they're doing. If you hire somebody who's a great thinker, who's proactive, who's smart, who's hungry, right? If you think about Patrick Lencioni's book, uh, I think it's called yeah. The Ideal Teen Player. One of it is hungry, yeah. hungry and smart. Then those individuals can learn a job so fast and they will far exceed anything that this person who has professional training, who's been doing this for 10 years can do. So hiring, it starts with the right individual, then they move into the job and they'll kill it. Yeah. We, that was one of the pieces when we went from like, and, and I will tell you our first five, five or six employees were all connected it was somebody's friend. It was somebody's family member. It was um, actually one of my favorite. Um, one of my secretaries when I was a clinician, we had always talked about, you know, if I ever left the practice, but thinking if I went to another practice and I had promised her that if I ever left, I would bring her with me. Mm -hmm. And she was our fifth or sixth employee. Like I literally called her up and was like, Hey, I made you this promise 10 years ago. I know it's not clinical medicine, but I need somebody to be a client services or a client coordinator. Who's very, you know, client forward. And you're like the nicest human that I've ever known. I'd love you to come work with us. Right. Um, and so kind of, moving forward and I read who as well. Um, and we finally realized, you know what, let's hire somebody who knows how to hire people. And mm -hmm. so we did engage in a, you know, a recruiter and it's really hard to get a job here. Um, I, I kind of joke, it was easier for me to get into med school. Um, but culture for us, and I know it's a word that gets thrown around so much, but it is everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we look for who's going to fit with the team. Are you teachable? Right. Do you want to learn? How have you been resourceful in the past? How, you know, have you taught yourself stuff in the past? Are you willing to learn? Right that means so much more to me than just about anything else. Because let's face it, 
very few things are rocket science, right? And so the majority of what we do is teachable. And so that's really been our focus. And there's, I mean, I think, I think you have to go through like four interviews. That's two, four. To get a job with us. Yeah. You know, I get brought in at the very end. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I, I say we've been lucky, but I think it's what we've done. We've had really little turnover since the very beginning. Like once we got that piece figured out, we have had amazing, amazing employees. Amazing. Yeah, that's really, really valuable because like Keith Cunningham, one of our mentors says, you either pay now or you pay later. And so you pay upfront and you pay people very well and you get the best people. Yeah. Or you pay later in the brain damage of turnover. Yeah. And we've always said we want to be able to give good people good jobs and we want people who are working with us to want to work with us. Mm-hmm. And I intentionally use the word with, not for. You know, I I really want everyone on our team to realize that nothing happens without the whole team. And I think that that, that has added to the longevity that we've we've had with our people. Yeah. So many entrepreneurial pearls that you've shared. Oh, I think yes. that, yeah, it's surprising, but a lot of this stuff took me several years to figure out. So it's just, you know, it, it is a process, but if you start listening to this podcast right now and like, start there, my gosh, <laughs> you'll be so much farther than we were <laughs> when we first started out. Right. I mean, it took us, I will say having a business coach has also helped, mm-hmm. um, we finally made that investment two years ago and it's really helped us in forward thinking in meeting cadence in focus cadence um holding each other accountable um has been invaluable and that is definitely one of those pay now pay later you know we had hit this point where we were like okay so uh, gut's gotten us this far, but we're really going to need help if we want to get from here to here with no one that really has a business background, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was a really big investment at the time, but has paid off in immeasurable ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing insights. Thank you. So we always ask two of our guests uh, as we close. We always ask two two of our uh, we ask all of our guests two questions. Uh, the first one is, "What is your definition of wealthy?" So, um, you know, I've already mentioned that I really don't care about money. Um, I realize that money. That, please don't take this the wrong way. Money is very important. I like to eat really well, and I like to travel. Um, so we need a certain amount of, of money, but I would say really for me, and it's been a huge silver lining since my accident is family time. I would have never gotten the time that I've had with our boys had I stayed as a clinical OBGYN and being able to have shared experiences and, we eat dinner as a family almost every day. 
to me, that makes me feel wealthy, right? And I wouldn't trade that stuff for anything. I, I, you know, they'll hear me say that I would probably kill a puppy to be back in the OR. I really miss the operating room, but the time and, and the stuff I've been able to do with them, I, I, it, I mean, I could almost make myself cry talking about it. Um, and so I think for me that that's a huge thing. Um, yeah. It's funny I, I, how looking back, like the, the worst things that happen have so much good come out of them in the end, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, you know, please don't take this the wrong way, but there are a lot of shitty days, you know, it, it's kind of, we're in it for the long game and, you know, but yes, I, I have, I, I am not convinced that had I stayed on the path I was on, to be quite honest, that I'd still be married, that I wouldn't have had a heart attack by now. Um, you know, I was just go, 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 go. Like most of us are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, yes, 10 years later, I mean, August 3rd was my 10-year anniversary away from clinical medicine, not that I'm counting. Um, mm-hmm. But 10 years later, I, I can speak like this, right? If it were 10 years ago, you'd be talking to a shell of who I am now. So what is one mindset, habit, or strategy that separates someone who is wealthy versus someone who is not? I mean, I can, for me, a lot of it came down to journaling. I have a gratitude journal. I start my day. Sometimes it's not easy coming up with three things that I'm grateful for, right? But it just shifts you and puts you in the right space for the day. Um, You're going to laugh, but at one point I was making vision boards. Admittedly, I haven't done that in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I was like, that's what I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, oh, I haven't done that in a while. Um, And really planning. I mean, one of my favorite things that I did pre-COVID was we had mommy and me trips Our boys are very different. Um, They love each other to pieces, but they have very different interests. And I like to travel. My husband, not so much. Um, And so I would let each kid pick a place and we would have a long weekend and focus on what they liked. And the other one would stay home and, you know, eat Taco Bell in their underwear, watching TV with dad. And really kind of making sure that there was always a trip coming up to be like, I needed something to look forward to as a family um, and making sure that we were getting away as a family. Um, In the beginning, we did it kind of quarterly. And then, as I mentioned, you know, we self-funded. So there was a period of time where vacations were just not going to happen and so then I had to like re-figure out like what could we do locally to build these experiences. And that's when my youngest and I started cooking together. My older one and I, um, he's my like expedition buddy. You know, we would find places to to go. And so 
I realized I just gave you a really long answer to a short question. No, no, that was the perfect answer. I think I've, we've heard throughout the year, so many people who have get such value out of spending the one-on-one time traveling with their kids. Um, and this, yeah, I mean, this is something we were going to talk to, uh, talking about last week. So it's very, very pertinent in our lives right now that we're thinking about this kind of stuff too. So, um, I think it's really helpful for people to hear that. That's very, very cool. Thanks. I'm trying. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for this and all the pearls Mm -hmm. you shared. Could you tell people how to reach out and get a hold of you to hear more about your business? Sure. Uh, So I was not smart enough many moons ago to come up with an alias. So I am, in fact, Stephanie Pearson on Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, Our company name is Pearson Ravitz. Um, And we have a website if you Google Pearson Ravitz. I think I am more accessible now than I ever was. Um, And, you know, I'm, I'm real easy to find. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you for having me. conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Hey, Doctors Building Wealth. Did you hear that Kenji and I wrote a book called Life on Your Terms, which is a fable of two doctor couples, one who goes the traditional route, investing in their 401ks and working harder, and one that decides to invest in real estate and what happens to those two couples over five years. Our book is now out and available for purchase. Be sure to go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash book to pick up a copy today. And write us a review because it's going to be so helpful to us to be able to get this book out into the larger community and be able to affect more change and impact more lives. And in case you didn't know, all the profits of our book go to our Doctors Legacy Building Foundation, which is all about helping underserved communities be able to get financial literacy. Thank you for all of your support. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.